The Lamudi webinar series is a series of online discussions with industry experts who share their insights and tips on how to retain your business despite the current challenges. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to a live session with Lamudi Philippines webinar series, Strategizing Real Estate and Industry Response to COVID-19. I'm Deborah of Lamudi Philippines, and joining me today are my guests, Joe Sobrano, CEO of Cebu Landmasters, Inc., Thomas Lorenzo, CEO of Torre Lorenzo Development Corporation, as well as David Raphael, President and CEO of Aboitis Land. Welcome, gentlemen, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks for inviting. Thank you. Um, okay, so today's panel, um, we're looking to discuss a little bit on what developers are doing during the ECQ or Enhanced Community Quarantine in the Philippines. Right now, in the last few weeks, developers have been exploring new ways to market properties. And today, I'd like to hear from you a little bit on uh, your outlook on the Philippine real estate market, measures for developers to take to address new consumer needs, as well as perhaps some practical advice for property seekers who might still be out, who are still out there in the market. All right. Um, now, to start off with, perhaps I'd like to hear from, uh, from you, Joe, um, as a developer that's based in the Visnin region. Um, how has the outbreak impacted buyer activity? Uh, we're all impacted, you know, uh, just like the country is uh, experiencing uh, some real adjustments uh, as in the global community. We we're, we're feeling that and this is something that uh, will affect us, you know, uh, in a negative way, but there can also be some positive along the way. And when we talk of the real estate uh, side of things, uh, there has been some adjustments that we have to do because uh, we see uh, retail purchases have been uh, on the downtrend, definitely. But of course, we still need a lot of uh, consumer products uh, and a lot of food. Uh, in our table, so that, that's going to prop up a lot of activity economically. Uh, we, we see the hotels are, are pretty bare now. Uh, occupancy has been going uh, below 20% or even some major hotels having to close. So these are things that uh, are, are happening and uh, trickling sales, trickling sales, uh, even for those that are in need, no? uh, those that are supposed to address a backlog, but could not uh, come up with new or even the usual sales that the developers are experiencing. So th these are uh, difficult times, but we see also some opportunity for us to gathering together you know, as a team because we have to strategize very, very well on how to move forward. Like these things on communicating, uh, on, 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 on still being able to address your, your market, on being able to pull up a cohesive team, you know, and still doing things uh, in their homes. And to some of us, especially in Bismin, for example, we do have certain activities that are still ongoing depending on whether the LGU will allow this or not. For certain uh, very uh, uh, qualified reasons, 
that's why uh, there's some construction activities that are still happening uh, in some areas. Now we're we're lucky to have that, but we still make sure that we adhere to the best uh, standards uh, in terms of prevention uh, and re uh, addressing uh, that the, these people are not getting infected. You know, and on the site we'll have. Uh, not only their uh, safety officers, but even nurses, you know, and that they are staying not not just on the it's not on the project site, bunk houses close to to the site, and very secured. So all all those things have to be uh, done very well, and we as the developers would like to see that things will come and process itself. Uh, this is not going to last forever, we know that. So that's why when things will start to normalize, uh, we have to gradually uh, make sure that we're ready for addressing that market that will come in. It's not going to be a surge, but we would like to believe uh, no matter how it will face faced in, uh, we as developers should be ready for it. And the team that we have should be ready for it. There will be some adjustments, uh, some difficult ones, but we should be able to address that. Right. Thank you for sharing that, Joe. Now, moving um, to Thomas for a little bit. Um, Thomas, if you could tell us a little bit more for, on behalf of Torre Lorenzo, how has this outbreak impacted um, first your team as well as um, the property seekers on buyer activity? Um, yeah, thank you, Deborah, for that. Uh, first of all, our teams are still operating um, from at home. Uh, we've been able to actually get a lot done with this work from home um, set up so that as soon as the lockdown, the quarantine is lifted, um, we'll be able to hit the ground running. Um, up to for our provincial projects, um, work pretty much continued until about maybe a week or two ago. Um, so a lot of work got done. Um, there are, of course, some uh, work that we have to continue, especially if it has to do with power, with power or water or other systems that really have to be done. So we've gotten um, some. Uh, permission to do that and these are you know in very remote remote areas so um, we have tried also to make sure that you know we follow uh, all the requirements uh, that are given to us the restrictions given to us by the government and in terms of the market um, maybe as as a you know I look at it historically and I just I when this happened, I wrote down all the all the um, things that happened to me in the real estate business in the last twenty three years. So when I first got into the real estate business, um, that was in uh, nineteen ninety five. Our first pro big project was in nineteen ninety seven, and right after I started that project, the Asian financial crisis hit. And I thought that was the end of the world. And, but we stuck it out. We continued to grow the business. And then after that, you know, we were hit by 
you know, things like the 2003 SARS outbreak, the 2009 world financial meltdown, um, up to recently, even in our, in our Davao projects, we were hit by earthquakes. Um, and we weathered that. And then just last January, we were hit by um, earth uh, volcanic uh, eruptions of uh, Taal volcano in our projects in Batangas. But yet, we weathered all of these and, and continued on. At, at, this, at this point, so, so COVID for me is just another challenge um, that we're given. Sometimes uh, I think it's a pause. It's, a, it's, a, it's the pause button given to us so that we can really take stock and catch up with all the work that uh, have been, has been pending, especially in terms of designing. Because as you know, real estate is a very, very long term uh, business. Your view has to be 5, 10, 15 years down the road. So what we decide to do today, we won't see it until five years from now. Five years from now, the world may be a totally different place. It will be a totally different place. Therefore, even in, even in this quarantine situation, we have to continue planning for what, whatever is going to happen down the road. We cannot, we don't stop. In terms of our, our buyers, um, they're quite, uh, you know, they appreciate the fact that early on we really uh, boosted our online and social media presence and especially our call centers, uh, you know, to, to beef that up so that anyone who's, who's in lockdown can find out about the project or find out about their, uh, you know, about the company. So things are things going to going to be different after after this definitely. Um, I just see it as opportunity and challenge. All right, um, that's interesting, Thomas. You mentioned a little bit um, once things kind of blow over, you're hoping to to get back to normal a little bit. Um, as we've been observing, actually, the industry is getting uh, quite creative about closing deals and working with their clientele at this segment. My next question, I'd actually like to uh, direct to Dave. Um, yep. With Aboitis at the moment, Dave, I understand that Aboitis has been um, quite creative with moving on to um, contactless payment systems or digital forms of which a property seeker can make a purchase online. Dave, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Okay, um, I think that in terms of the buying process, the basic buying process of the real estate buyer, I think it, it, it remains the same in that, number one, he will shop around. Number two, he will shortlist. Number three, he will do a deep dive of the different products, the location, the price and all that. Number four, he will reach out to a particular salesperson, a real life person so that he can get more details and negotiate. And number four, he will, he will post the sale through the submission of documents and payments. So I think the basic process has remained the same, but it's just the medium where that process is implemented is different. So like, for example, um, shopping around, right? So whereas before, how would a person shop around for the different uh, options. Maybe he'll get leaflets from the different sellers that he will bump into into the malls, 
or he will see billboards. But now, because of this environment, he gets all that information online. All that information. He can look at all of the different developers, secondary market and all that. Get all that data. He can do his deep dive again online. There are virtual tours. Uh, we've got virtual tours so that they can see all the details uh, of the specific uh, product. Um, once he's narrowed down um, his options, he will probably want to reach out to talk to a specific person, a property specialist. So again, they will dial or they will arrange to have a Zoom or whatever Facebook meeting so that all questions will be answered, all objections will be uh, addressed. And then um, once he's convinced and he's made his choice and he's ready to make a payment, we've got several platforms that are available uh, to accept this payment online. Uh, we've got uh, we've got Acquire, which wherein he can pay using his credit card. We've got the automatic debit facilities where we can just directly debit his uh, bank account. Um, and once that's done, again, um, the reservation agreements, whatever documents are required, can all be done online. You can send him the reservation agreement and he can sign it through e-signature. So it's really the same uh, process that you would follow you know, before, but it's just now, it's all done online. And uh, fortunately, uh, in the case of Obojitis Land, uh, we had invested in the different tools, in the different platforms that allow us, that enable us to do this online. All right, thanks, Dave. So am I, am I right to say that if I was a property seeker now purchasing uh, a unit from Obojitis Land, I'm able to take care of my end-to-end -end process via a platform developed by you? Oh, yes. And in fact, in fact, uh, we have, uh, of course, our sales during this lockdown period is much is 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 lower than what we did normally. But the fact that we're doing 50, 60 percent of the volume that we were doing before the lockdown shows that uh, it's very possible. Okay, so you guys are at six, 50 to sixty percent. You say of our of, uh, of okay. Um, Thomas, I'm curious about your thoughts on this because you mentioned um, just a while ago that you are active on social media. Now that covers the property search phase. Do you find it necessary to move the later stages of a property seeker's journey online now too? Yeah, well, for, for me, Deborah, um, it's true what, what David said about the you know, platform and everything going digital. So we have the same thing. Our buyers really pay online uh, we talk to them online the agents talk to them online uh, we have the call our call center help desk all of that but just as what david said it's it's really the basic um process is still there in fact th the four things i have a list of four things that people look for when they buy a property I mean, this is just from experience. One is location, two is track record, three is quality, and four is value for money. In terms of location, that 
even even in a quarantine situation, people virtually go to places. They 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 look at Google Maps. They look at Google Earth. They look at even your Lamudi site has that. It will show where where the property is. So that really saves people time. And the second is track record. They look for someone, a pro, a developer who has finished um, projects, who has already a track record of finishing that kind of, of project. For example, we uh, mostly do um, university residences. Therefore, anyone with a, with a child going to university they will, will look us up because we already have the track record. And they, they will say, okay, what's up and coming? What is ready for occupancy, depending on the age of the child? And next is value for money. And that, that way, they can look online and compare amenities, size of units, finishes. They can do all of that online. You know, the, the virtual, the virtual um, uh, unit is really amazing because it allows people to really do a 360 degree view of what is there so that um, they already understand what it is. The virtual reality uh, view is, is, is uh, very helpful. And then there's, um, so they, they can see the value of what they're going, going to get. And then lastly is quality. And quality is really, it's not, it's not just what is turned over, but rather the entire package. How is the building maintained? How, how, is, the, how is the building management run? Um, are the dues too low, too high? Uh, these things people look for because um, they want to make sure that their investment lasts long, very long. The typical condominium building, after five years, the quality goes down. That's because of, uh, I guess, when management of the building is not really maintaining it properly or uh, not really uh, trying to lower the association juice when they really need so much more because the building needs, needs, uh, needs the tender loving care, the TLC. So that's how we, you know, we, we try to push push our projects and uh, most so it really hasn't changed it's just that they're doing it virtually we also have buyers we have um, buyers who already book sales with us even during this quarantine and it's mainly because they're familiar with 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 the brand and they're familiar with um, they've seen our products so um, it's just like in consumer goods. If you're used to one brand of toothpaste, you'll keep on buying that brand forever. It will be in your, on, on top, top of mind. So that's really the developer's, I guess, dream is to, to reach a point where you're top of mind. Sure. Um, thanks for sharing that, Thomas. I have a question about one thing that you mentioned. And one of the four points that you mentioned is value for money. Now, I guess I, I'd like to kind of pose a question to you. And, as well as Joe on this site, um, value for money. Now, in the midst of a pandemic, um, on, on today's topic also, right, buying property during the pandemic, I have a question for you. Uh, is now the right time to purchase a property? 
Thomas, perhaps, uh, and then uh, Joe. Okay. Joe, go ahead. Oh, me? Oh, Please, Joe. Okay. Yes. Is it the right time? Uh, I guess there is no time that uh, somebody who hasn't had a home yet, there's no time that this is now becoming, that it has become more pronounced and that the need is there. You know, he may be in a setting where uh, in, in a household of, uh, of, of siblings and, uh, and relatives, no, cramped in uh, one dwelling. Uh, th there is no better time for them to realize it, <clears throat> uh, need to have a home or a condo unit. So this thing will have to be, it's felt now, and whether this should be the right time to do a, a booking, well, they have to dig into uh, who this uh, company that they're dealing with, who the developer is, and, and, and that's where track record comes into the picture. And you have to uh, set the difference though, no? whether are you talking of uh, uh, an RFO, uh, ready for occupancy unit or a pre-selling pre unit. Uh, either way, even if you make a, deserve, uh, uh, a decision to purchase a particular unit uh, immediately, it could come in a way of uh, signing a, a contract and putting a reservation fee. But knowing uh, on by all practical considerations that uh, I'm bound to be able to see the unit myself. You know, I, I think that is where, where uh, you will make that jump. Uh, while we could close a deal probably, but there is also a leeway for me to really appreciate it and seeing for myself how that RFA unit is, whether it meets that criteria that I have in terms of location and what kind of adjustments has a developer been able to introduce considering the situation that we have? Has it, has it provided enough open space? Uh, how is its property management uh, set up? No? He can now ask questions uh, in the midst of this crisis. How was the man property management of that developer uh, able to render that service or making sure that you are safe and all that? And how was the interaction with the, with the community? You know? These are things that a prospective buyer would be able to appreciate. And that's value for money. Uh, being able to see and feel for yourself vis-a-vis, uh, -vis, of course, uh, how much uh, is that particular product uh, in relation to uh, how it is uh, from competition, for example, or is that particular product that I'm, I, I want in that location that I like uh, giving me that value? Uh, uh, which is some, something that I could afford in a way because of the package that was also presented. Now, to, to flip on the other side of a uh, pre-selling unit, uh, that's some, something that, of course, I can put a reservation 30, 60 days from now, okay? Uh, okay, there's a, a means for me to put in the post-dated checks. But at any time, there is also the possibility that uh, a buyer may not be very convinced of what he's seeing so far in terms of the progress of construction, etc. And, and he may have to 
make a very hard decision on that. But again, the whole point is, if you are able to initiate a sale and continue it, no, may that be online, the proof of the padding is really for them to see for themselves and making sure that there is that value for money proposition on the product that they're having. Is it progressing well? Is the track record of that developer really uh, that good? And, and, not that, and he has proven, has he proven himself? How does he manage things uh, on the property management? You know? is, he, is he going to make some adjustments, especially the experience that we have? I think these are questions that will be posed uh, very strongly by this buyer. And, and it has to be appreciated very well on what you are able to put on the table. Right, understand. Um, thanks, Joe, for sharing some thoughts. Back to you a little bit, Thomas, because as yeah. I understand, Torre Lorenzo does have its own property management arm. Um, do you agree with what Joe just said about um, it's, it, whether or not it's the right time to buy a property? How does this relate to uh, your on-ground efforts? Um, yes, Deborah, I, I agree with Joe. Uh, three things. First that he mentioned was about cramped quarters where uh, multiple people are living in a small in a small house or condo and they want to move we are we are very very fortunate in the philippines to have a very strong and young population a large population that can buy uh, consumer goods and will really have to move uh, out of their homes i have really in in the in a 23 25 years i've been doing real estate uh the demographics has changed young people now leave their homes uh meet at college or you know they have to be near where they study or where they work so they don't wait anymore for for them for them for for marriage before they leave they already move out so there is really that demand there's a huge backlog of of um, housing, mainly because young people are are learning to live away from home, and that's what I see. And um, in terms of property management, one of the things that we we've, we've done from the beginning was really to manage our own properties, to make sure that the quality is there. What what Joe said is so true. The 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 property management is key because if for example, you're a potential buyer. You're going to want to know how the the uh, existing completed projects are managed. So if you if you look at the if, if you look at a completed project and it's not managed well, you won't want to buy in their new project. But if I always tell people, I invite you to visit my oldest project, my 20-year-old project. I'm not ashamed to show it. Because of the man, because of the way it was managed, and I'm also not ashamed to tell people that um, my association dues are high, but my residents are happy because they see that it's clean, that it's it's secured. So it's very important that you know buying a home is is one of the biggest decisions a person will make in his or her life, whether it's a temporary home or a permanent home. Therefore, there's going to be a lot of um, thought put into it. But I always say that you know, property is a long-term investment. 
with immediate benefits. Because if you're looking for a place to live, so going to uh, Joe's RFO, if you're looking for a place to live, then you will buy immediately. Um, it may not, of course, double or triple in value in a year, but you're already enjoying the, you're, you're enjoying the benefits of it. So, and versus consumer goods, which have immediate benefit, but no capital appreciation. So it's, it's just really a different way of, of, of looking at things. Now, property management, I think is even now during COVID is very important because we always post in our social media pages about how, how we clean, how we sanitize our hallways, our, our common areas, how we take care of you know, people who are isolating. And that's what happens. People isolate. They come from another country, they isolate. So we take care of them as well. And, and we make sure that, that um, uh, we manage that and we, and we manage also the other residents in the, in the, in the building. Sure. Um, thank you, Thomas. Now, it seems like the common consensus is if you're looking to buy a home, then as long as the tools are available, there should be nothing stopping you. Now, I have a question uh, for David, who just mentioned that Aboytisland has developed that contactless um, end-to-end purchase system for property seekers. Uh, now, Dave, I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. During this COVID-19 pandemic, as a property seeker in the Philippines, what help would I possibly need from developers like yourself or the government in this situation? Well, um, I think, well, first of all, let's, uh, the question is, what help does a buyer need, right? Sure. Um, uh, I think that, first of all, uh, in this situation, I, it's a challenging environment, right? Because... Uh, Let's face it, no? Uh, buyers are, in terms of their priority right now, uh, their priority is really the more uh, basic requirements. Uh, and another factor you need to consider is that for a lot of uh, financial buyers, I think that their source of income is at risk, right? Uh, right now, there's a great deal of uncertainty as to whether uh, their income will still continue. You, I mean, in just about every industry, uh, people are getting laid off. So there's a great deal of uncertainty about your income. You know? And when you're thinking of buying property, the first thing you want to be sure of, the first thing you want to secure is that ability to pay because it's a long-term, it's a long-term commitment. Buying property is a long-term commitment. So unless you have that um, confidence that that resource is going to be there for the long term, um, it's, um, it's going to be understandable if there's going to be some hesitancy to make that commitment, right? So uh, bearing that in mind, you know, as a developer, I think that um, you really have to be sensitive to that situation. Uh, of course, uh, the basics should be there, no? the location, uh, value for money, property management, as, as Joe and Thomas all mentioned. But I think um, all the more in this situation, there has to be a very keen sense of customer need, the customer situation, right? And uh, as I said, 
the um, as I said, the, the the customer right now is facing this challenge in terms of uh, you know their income, right? So one way and one way the developer can address the situation is perhaps being very flexible in the payment terms that they will offer. You know, uh, whereas before you've got your standard ten percent down payment, so forth and so on. Uh, monthly monthly amortization, 24 months, take out. I think it's, it's uh, as a developer, uh, you need to come up with more creative payment schemes to accommodate the situation of buyers uh, that are uh, in the situation where there is that uncertainty. Right. Sure, Dave. You mentioned um, uh, creative payment systems. Correct. Um, no, no, creative payment schemes. Creative payment schemes. Sorry. Correct. Um, correct. Guide me through a little bit. Um, what has Avoitis been doing? Okay. So, um, like for example, the normal uh, what what what's normally done is you know there's a required down payment, and then after that the balance. Uh, you know you have to have a you have to have a certain percentage of down payment over 24, 36 months, after which the bank can take it out and all that. So I think um, what about this, what, so you have this uh, challenge of maybe the buyer will tell you, you know, Dave, um, I might not have um, that down payment that you require, right? Uh, because, uh, uh, you know, my, I got laid off or, you know, there's, there's some uncertainty in my income. So we work with a, with a client and find out, okay, uh, what, what, how can we work this out so that your down payment can be stretched? Um, we, can, we, can, we can stretch it or maybe we can give you an incentive where we perhaps, uh, hello? Sure. Yeah, sorry. You know, um, we can give you an incentive whereby um, we can give you some kind of a discount on that down payment so that it will be more affordable to you. You know, stuff like that. And we also, by the way, we also do a lot of incentives for uh, our sellers because we realize, you know, the sellers are a very important component of a developer's uh, uh, arsenal. Uh, they're the ones that, they're, they're our frontliners, right? And um, so we need to also equip them. We also need to incentivize them so that um, somehow they can still sell, they can still make their commission and still make a living given this new contactless virtual selling. So um, we've actually adjusted, we've made some adjustments in the commission schemes of our sellers. We've given them all sorts of incentives. Uh, in recognition of, you know, the challenges in selling during these times. And as I said, the challenge is not just in the new mode of selling. The challenge is because the people that they're selling to um, have less resources. Okay? Sure. In fact, that's the, that's the bigger challenge. You're talking now to people who have less resources. And that's a reality. And not only less resource, but uncertainty of that resource. Sure. 
Um, thank you, David, for this. Now I'm curious a little bit about the other developers and their initiatives to help property seekers during this time. Uh, Joe, would you be able to share with us on behalf of Cebu Landmasters, they've mentioned um, flexibility in payment schemes, incentives for sellers. Could you run us through a little bit what uh, Cebu Landmasters has been yeah. up to? Yeah, uh, basically on pre-selling. Uh, right now, our sales team and brokers are, or agents, they have lined up uh, a lot of these prospects. This is the time to connect with them because Whereas before, uh, during normal times, it's going to be difficult to look for them. It's easy to connect, right? Online, cell phone, for sure they're at their homes. And I'm telling them on how things will be even better for them, uh, especially those that already acquired. Uh, and then they, they will have to feel that the, the usual 36, 24, or even 48 month is actually stretched because uh, even for uh, monthly payments that's due uh, like March or April or June later on, uh, we have to approach it on a case-to-case -case basis. So what normally is 36 months becomes 39 months. So you have actually stretched the payment period. No? And uh, on those additional three months, that becomes, of course, there's no penalty to it because it's the pre-selling period. So there are ways of uh, making it easier and also to, to relate to our buyers that these are, of course, uh, not the usual times, but this is also the best opportunity for us to acquire. You know? What we can assure them probably as a developer is that prices is not going to change. You know? And even... For us, we may have to review what kind of price points we are talking about because uh, in the next few months, we see that uh, a lot of this prices of uh, construction materials is going to soften because there's a lot of the inventory that's not being acquired. So there's a possible uh, uh, you know, adjustment, you know, a review of the pricing is also important. And of course, the buyers need that kind of assurances no? and, and, and confidence that what we're having right now is really temporary in nature. Uh, maybe I've not heard too much of uh, the layoff that's happening or even those OFW that have been recalled. We, we feel very confidently that to, to these developed countries outside, when things begin to normalize, they will have to be brought back again. Uh, especially on those economies that uh, will have to be, or, or companies who may need, who may need to cut costs. No? They need to cut costs. So what do they do? They will do a lot of outsourcing. So these are going to be very assuring ways for these buyers. Well, well, well temporarily, you may have uh, uh, you know, uh, less that you're having now for one reason or another because of the crisis that we're facing, but you're not being pressed. But when things normalize, you can now go back into your usual payment. And developers should have an open eyes to that. You know, we approach that on a case-to-case -case basis. But there are those that's, that's not uh, even asking for it. And only because they have the confidence and, and, and for the reason that when your product is completed, they want to make sure that they, they move in earlier than, than later, no?
So for so long, because it's not un, uh, unusual that you, you have a delay in construction, for example, but you have to catch up with it and try to make sure that you still target the, the timetable that you have assured the market. And if that happens, the buyer themselves who wants to move in immediately wants to be sure that their end of the uh, completion in terms of payments of their equity is made. And we also try to arrange very surely, you know, as a developer, that their approvals of their bank financing or what big loans are already pre-approved. So these are things that we have to make it easy on the buyers, you know, incentivizing, as they were saying, to your sellers or your brokers. Because there's no better avenue to convince them than now, you know, especially for economic and mid-market uh, house and lot packages or condo units. And this is the best time for the sellers, the brokers to convince them. Because right now, these this, uh, prospective buyers are weighing on their options. They are really, they're really egging on it. No? And they're one of those that are looking at uh, the, the relative or the friend who are, who are already having homes and really benefiting from it. And they have to, you know, uh, doing, do a lot of sacrifices. And in fact, it leads us to another point because this is a real self-realization on our part, no? not even just as a private sector developer, but even for government to address. No? How, how are we addressing packed communities? No? How about this, uh, you know, uh, uh, the settlers, no? the, what we call uh, uh, illegal or... Uh, or, or these uh, colonies that have sprouted this, we have to address the socialized housing, the tenement housing on site. You know, and this is the time really to open our eyes because this, we have a lot of learnings from what we're experiencing now. And I, I, I think uh, all of these uh, experiences that we're having will make us become better as we move forward. Addressing a need of the buyers, making sure that we make things healthier and a lot better than where we came from. Well, thank you for that, Joe. Um, moving on to Thomas. Thomas, tell us a little bit about Torre Lorenzo, uh, about your initiative. So, um, a boy to land with covered civil landmaster with civil landmasters with covered a bit more on stretched payment um, schedules, uh, flexible payment schemes. Uh, Thomas, on to you. Tell us a bit more about your initiatives. Well, definitely, I agree with what David and what Joe said about you know we have to take care especially about taking care of your, your agents because they are the frontliners. And of course, we try to be as flexible as, as we can. Um, the, uh, for Torrent Lorenzo, what, what um, we really cater to are uh, more of the premium end uh, of the market for university residences and even for condominiums in, in, in provinces. So um, we actually have, it's, it's a different uh, model because, for example, when we sell condos uh, for student housing, the need is there and there's a, there's a, there's a fixed date. So, for example, uh, when school opens in the Philippines in August or September, um, there will be a rush for people to move their kids into condos to be as close to the school as possible. Um, online schooling will not, uh, I think, be 100% um, uh, successful 
So there will still have to be some sort of physical presence in, or, in and around the schools. So therefore, um, we, of course, try to be more, uh, I guess, uh, try to, to uh, be flexible uh, for, for these projects that we have. And we have several projects which are um, almost for turnover. So we have to be mindful of that because our buyers, um, they don't really take uh, the money for, for real estate, for a, for, a, for a student housing condo from their um, uh, savings or extra savings. It's actually part of their education budget. And as you know, in the Philippines, uh, the parents will starve. The parents will forego buying a new car or a new cell phone or, or whatever consumer good there is out there in order that their, their daughter or their son gets a good education. So because uh, many of our projects are beside schools, um, they would rather spend it to make sure that their son or daughter has a decent place to stay, a safe and secure place to stay. And our investors also see that because there's also a very good leasing market that has sprung up. People who cannot afford to buy are going to shift to leasing, which um, Torre Lorenzo, we have uh, quite a substantial portion of our projects for lease. So we're able to capitalize on that. It's like what happened in the US in 2008, 2009. The buyer's market shifted to a leasing market. So that is, is what I see is going to happen. Now, in terms of our provincial projects, um, Davao, Batangas, Pampanga, or wherever, um, we really come out as a premium product. Uh, therefore, our buyers are not, uh, they are really quality conscious. They're, they're also conscious about the, the, the management and the finishes and everything we deliver. So that is what they're looking for. Of course, they will want more flexible terms, and I understand that. Um, but we tend to have more questions about, you know, when can I get my unit? I want it today rather than can you give me a, a, a longer payment term? Okay, so on your side, uh, Thomas, what you're telling me is that instead of an extended payment uh, schedule, you're seeing an accelerated uh, timeline for delivery. Well, they, of course, because for, I'll give an example. In January, there was the eruption of the Taal volcano. I thought that our, our Batangas project was, was doomed but it turned out to be the opposite because our project, our condominium project was um, outside of the danger zone. So you had the one and a half million Filipinos living in the danger zone, trying to find a place to live outside, but within the same province. So that's an example of how uh, there was a rush for people to buy, to move into our, our RFO condo. Sure. Okay. Um, it sounds like to me um, at the moment, we are able as developers to identify um, the needs of the property seekers and different ways in which um, we can address that, right? As, as we've heard from um, the three of you. Now, my question now to the panel, um, perhaps starting with Joel, is how can developers at this time during the pandemic band together um, to help property seekers at a time like this? 
there are several ways the property seekers are are really uh, uh, just awaiting, no? Because uh, if I look at the the market uh, as having to address a need, we need to really connect with them, and and, and the best way is uh, at this time where they they, they feel the pinch, no? And that we have. A lot of these uh, uh, sellers, brokers, and agents who have a, a, a free time, and they can take a look at their uh, prospects and inventory, and and then connect with them. You no, know? so if, if the question there, uh, Devara, is really on how we should be able to to connect with these buyers. You no, know? uh, that's why we uh, developers are are in the market. We have. We have our product lines. You no, know? we have to also make sure that uh, you have a diversity, uh, not just on addressing one market. If you were to prepare, uh, I I do have also a high-end product. If there is that need uh, for investment, because uh, this thing about the low interest rate scenario. We just want to. We just lead for people who want to put more money. You no know, property seekers who are investors there because they see the value proposition, they see the appreciation in in the medium or long term, and that might be better than putting their money in, in the bank or in the stock market, for example. You no, know? so uh, there are various uh, ways of uh, of doing that, and uh, your your product as well has to provide a lot of these paying schemes. It's not going to just be defined uh, on one uniform uh, uh, way, no? There has to be, uh, because it will have to depend on, on the capacity of, of individuals. No? You cannot just uh, delimit it by being so fixated on a particular payment scheme. The other is, of course, uh, if you are a developer, don't wait for orders to come in before you build. I think you should be in a better position to address a market if you have an, a lot of these RFO units. You no, know? if, if this house are not packages, for example, you don't wait to build before uh, only after an order is uh, comes in. It's better to have all the units ready and for your market to pick up. You no, know? and of course, uh, as what Tom Thomas has really emphasized very well about track record allocation, you have to make sure you have to, to, to have all of these elements no? uh, that will put the confidence in this market. And now, uh, riding on a learning curve, this is a one real experience that we have to see. We have to see a lot of adjustments now in our plans. No? Even right now, even if you're in the middle of uh, uh, a unit that has already been, or, or a project that has already been delivered, uh, you can adopt a lot of ways to to do certain things in your pro property management. No, uh, is it the right time to to put in nurses in your in your villages or your condos? Uh, for example, no? uh, can you put can you culturize uh, or, or or put uh, some kind of uh, a way where pe people are more more uh, uh, safety or sanitary conscious. You know? we, we see that in Japan. Uh, I, I see their drivers 
wearing gloves, you know. And uh, before we go to a restaurant, they leave their shoes only there. I, I can only imagine if uh, all of our condo units, uh, uh, you have a shoe rack outside. The, the, and then even when you're entering your home, you, you're just with your socks on or things like that, no? Or uh, all condo units or, or, or even uh, housing units will have bidets uh, in the comfort rooms, no? And talking about sanitation, uh, high time, of course, we have to really do what uh, our invent environmentalists have been saying, uh, STPs, no? These are, these are very important products. How, how do you process all of this uh, waste and, and garbage collection? These are things that you, you need to emphasize now at this time. We need to be uh, not just a very conscious community, but a very healthy community. And we should contribute. You know, developers should contribute. And I'm sure our buyers, the market that we are addressing, will embrace us for that. All right, thank you for that, Joe. Um, David, what are your thoughts on, on, uh, on Joe's comments? Um, well, you know, I think the, there is that overriding uh, agreement on the importance of, uh, of property management. No? But I think uh, what, what I'd like to talk about, though, is um, the, although we haven't, it's still too soon for us to say that there is that trend, right? But my personal feeling is that this experience with COVID, with ECQ, with the lockdown, I think will have a permanent uh, influence, will, have a, will, will, will really change now uh, buyer preference. I think there's really going to be a shift in buyer preference. Uh, what do I mean? I think that now, uh, whereas before, the uh, default decision, particularly of maybe the younger uh, people, the, uh, the young professionals, the default decision was buy property near where I work. That was always the default decision, right? Because it's practical, it's near work. So therefore, they would look for a small condo in a high-rise area near a CBD. Uh, but after they have experienced this lockdown where they were, um, you know, they were cooped up in a 20, 22 square meter uh, high density condo. Um, and, they, and they know that something like COVID can happen again. Uh, maybe they're now going to start thinking, you know, if I'm going to buy property, um, maybe that's not the default decision point I'm going to make. Uh, maybe um, I can start looking for property that may not be right there where I work, even if it's a little further, but if it's going to afford me that comfort of more open space, lower density, so that, you know, should something like this happen again, you know, uh, my living conditions are going to be more livable. And I think um, you know, in the case of Aboitisland, for example, we really haven't done any high-rise, high-density developments. All of our developments are horizontal, either uh, lots only or housing lots. And they're not, right, they're not smack in 
the big city. They're a little bit further away in North Luzon, <coughs> Luzon. And I think um, I'm starting to see an appreciation uh, of buyers looking for these types of developments. Uh, a little bit further from the CBD, um, an environment that is more, you know, that has more open space, that is more low density. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a trend. And even, even from the investor point of view, of course, you know, you've got, when you talk of real estate buyers, you've got the end users, so you've got the investors. Um, the investor mindset is when they buy real estate, um, their objective is to be able to get passive income. Leases out either through Airbnb or through a long-term lease so that they get passive income. Um, Airbnb, for example, I think with this COVID experience, Airbnb is going to be very challenged. I, I can't see myself, for example, traveling and going on an Airbnb, not knowing the kind of the quality of the, the cleanliness of that unit, right? I'll probably go to a hotel, right? So I think that the demand for Airbnb units will be greatly affected. And most of these people buying these condo units, right? Uh, that's what they have in mind so that they have their passive income. So even the investors um, who buy property for that purpose uh, might start reconsidering. Instead, they'll say, okay, I, I want to invest in real estate. Maybe it's safer to just buy a lot, you know, physical lot in a location that I know will appreciate in the future because of all the infrastructure, because of all the developments, because of the reputation with the developer. Um, so if I'm going to invest in real estate, maybe I'm better off just investing in a piece of land that will appreciate and which I can sell five, 10 years from now. All right. Interesting again, thoughts from David. Um, Thomas, Tori Lorenzo is a developer of high-rise condominium units. Um, what is your take on the matter and what is your response to this? Um, definitely, there's going to be a market. I agree with Dave that there's a market of people who want to go out. For example, we have um, projects outside of Metro Manila, uh, Davao, Batangas, Pampanga, which are really, but these are medium, medium rise buildings. Um, for overseas Filipinos coming home or for people who want to move out of their homes, you know, the empty nesters. There are people who want to go and, you know, they want to drive and all that. Um, so there's, there's definitely a market for that, mainly because the country in the, the countryside is also getting more affluent. So that I see. Um, but for, you know, for example, with this COVID lockdown, um, it's funny how all of a sudden everybody knows the limits of their barangays, of their, of their barrios. Because you can't cross from one, one barang, barangay to the other without a pass. So now everybody knows where, where the limits are. And what's interesting is, for example, if you live if you have to cross several barangays or, you know, God forbid, several provinces, even if you have a, a pass, it's, it's, not, it's not enjoyable at, at this point. So there will still be a market for people who want to be, you know, walk, walking. For example, 
um, I was talking to one of my bankers and I said, how are you doing? He goes, I'm in the office. I go, wow, how did you get to the office? Well, I made a decision uh, three, four years ago to move to a condo nearby as, as a halfway house. And now I'm able to do my work because I can, I can actually walk two blocks to my office. So the market is, is still there. I think there's a lot to go around. Like I said, you have 100 or so million Filipinos, 10 million Filipinos outside. Um, this, is, this is not the end of, of, the, you know, of the world. It's actually more of a breather. And people are going to make choices. Those who say they want to be living outside of Metro Manila and doing things online because that's a, that's a whole new perspective that, that people have discovered that they can actually live away and still work um, online and only go to work two or three days a week. Um, there are people who want to all be where the action is because they'll say, I'd rather be near a hospital um, and the hospitals are in the city. So you have people like that. So we have some projects in the provinces which... Um, I'm glad that um, Joe talked about the nurse, the nurse in the in the in the subdivision. I mean, that's that's excellent because I noticed that it's a selling point. Whenever we we say, "Oh, we our project is five minutes walk to a major hospital," so they go, "Oh, perfect." So when my I can I'm nearby, so if an emergency happens, I can go there. It's still really what what people. Uh, what their aspirations are and what their needs are at that moment. The need of a 24-year-old and the need of a 24-year-old 30, a single person and a 39-year-old married person and a 67-year-old retiree are different. So I just want, I'm sure that developers always try to fill those needs. You won't have the same needs your entire life but what's important is that you as as a uh, property buyer you understand what your needs are so that would, that for me would be the first thing that i would i would suggest to buyers is really list down what your needs are take out a pen and paper don't take out your phone because you're gonna you're gonna get um you know distracted by all the messages coming in just take out a pen and paper and write down exactly what you need and what you want, because what you need and what you want are totally different, usually. And then where, where they intersect, then you encircle those, and those are your, your starting points. All right, very interesting perspective. Thank you, Thomas. Joe, what are your thoughts on the matter? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, residential condo uh, will, will continue to be in demand. Uh, there will be some... Uh, uh, plateau uh, after things would normalize, yeah. but it will it will have its share of the the market wanting in. But but you need now to uh, appreciate on how they should be blended in into a development. No, so I guess there's more leaning towards a, a mixed use type of development where you can interface the the workplace uh, dimensions. No. That when uh, from your condo unit, you either can just go straight to your place of work because you have an office building just beside it. And then you go down 
just a restaurant uh, or probably what you can do once uh, once a week with your family or uh, you can have a shopping you know, or a supermarket there uh, or even have a, a little hotel that could uh, now accommodate functions which you can take advantage of or you may have some visitors and they can just be built there. So that's the kind of uh, transformation that we, rather than having standalones, no, you, you would rather have to, to confine them in an area where you can control it and make sure it addresses, the, of course, what we find very important, which is the, the health, the health uh, issue or consideration. Even if you go, say, a bit outside the center, having your villages or residential homes, because that's going to be the trend, you, you really have to disperse and, and make things very affordable no? rather than having to put, you, you, we don't have the subdivisions or, 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 or the villages inside the, the city. Well, the only exception probably uh, are what we have. we're seeing in uh, Makati, you know, or BGC. But in, in the provinces, you, you'll see that dispersing. But again, to, to provide that need, you want a community that will also have that mixed-use character. You would like to have uh, a retail uh, activity there, you know, a small village where there's a 7-Eleven, you have your wash and dry, you know, or even in in the midst of your uh, facilities, uh, the features of your villages should have uh, a nice recreational uh, facility as well, no? or or a chapel, a chapel. No, you you don't have to to go out and, and do your refle own reflecting, especially at this time. Can you imagine if you are in a village and then, uh, oh, I want time for meditation for myself? Well, you can do have peace and quiet there in the chapel. No, and you don't have to really go out and, and, uh, and visit the church. And you can also have some weekly masses or depending on the occasion, you know, uh, a nice pool, you know, uh, a functional, a gym. Uh, a gym is very important. So you, you need now to, to fashion out design uh, in, in your planning that will address these basic elements. No, uh, What you have may be good. But now there needs some kind of transformation, you know? knowing that it might be better to have uh, a clinic uh, rather than a space, for example. You know? that there, there is a need now to change some ways of doing things, that you need a, a real high-level high uh, process in terms of garbage collections, for example. Uh, so these are poor part already going back. But in terms of concepts, Yes, definitely. You have to see what fits, you know, and taking the learnings of uh, the, the crisis that we're in. Sure. Um, thank you, Joel. Insightful um, comments over there. Now, my next question has more to do with a forward-looking um, perspective, right? And I'm curious to get the panel's thought on this. Now, looking beyond the, the coronavirus itself, this is a global economic crisis. Right. Um, the path back to growth under COVID-19 will depend on a range of drivers, but it's reasonable for us to sketch uh, three broad scenarios which we can describe as the V-shaped recovery, um, U-shaped recovery, or an L-shaped impact on the economy. Right. Um, perhaps back to Joe, what are your thoughts on the likely recovery path and which scenario is most likely for Philippines? 
Well, there, there's going to be a, a lot of news there, no? uh, and, and depending on what sector of uh, the real estate uh, industry you're in, uh, that, that will lengthen probably the plateau. So I'd like to believe uh, in the industry where we are all in, uh, in real estate, which, is, which has a very important bearing on the economy, that the, the, the housing side will, uh, will, will have, uh, well, will experience a U, the, the way I read it, but I think that plateau will not be very long. Uh, in fact, uh, the role of developers like us together with our uh, brokers and agents and sales team who are who's already inching, inching to go back. No, it's like uh, they'd like to spike it up immediately, you know, so that, that, that you will become more of a V. Uh, that, that's sure. the, uh, I think that's how things will shape up. But the, the challenge side on the real estate would, would basically be the hospitality sector, definitely, with, with being affected by travel. It, it, it depends on how the global economy will be able to recover if it's faster. Now, we, we could see that... Uh, uh, there will be a, a lot of uh, tourists coming in for, from countries that are not that affected. No? And you, you see also the safety that is being instituted here in the Philippines, hopefully. Uh, you could invite, again, the traffic from the Chinese tourists and then, and then the, the Koreans, for example. They are the, one of those least of, uh, uh, affected uh, nationalities. Uh, these are the guys who are, who are raring to go to travel, and and the Philippines is one of their uh, favorite destinations. And uh, I see a uh, uh, a lower plateau on the on the U, for example, on the BPO sectors, because uh, when things normalize, uh, you know these these uh, companies out there would really be. Uh, would really be cost-cutting uh, abroad, those that are in developed economies. So they'll do a lot of outsourcing, you know, as I've mentioned. And I see a real, uh, I think when people are going to be recalled back to the jobs, especially the OFW, there will again be a lot of this interest. You know? uh, there will be a, a lot of this remittances, you know? and, and people wanting to be, to be, uh, more active uh, and, and contributing uh, to the purchases, no, the retail uh, side of uh, of shopping and, and buying will 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 resurrect by itself. And uh, so I, I'm just saying that uh, this is not uh, a problem about financial. No, we're we're not facing a financial crisis. It is a health issue. Our banks are solid, no. Many of us developers are are, are pretty liquid, no. And in fact, uh, but of course, we can be very cautious, uh, depending on how the, the pickup will be or the take up. But we are one in this effort to rebuild very fast our economy and and real estate. Should should continue to be in the forefront of this, no? especially in in a developing economy like us. Uh, the, the Philippines has so much backlog to address. Uh, we should be one with government to help out. How do we really structure more positive development in our in our areas? You no, know? even in metropolitan areas like Manila or Cebu, uh, 
is it the right time to really make a hard push on tenement housing? I know there's going to be a lot to complain. Maybe we'll have to relocate people out there, uh, no, uh, off the center. Yeah, let, let's have a real hard look on building it right there where they are. And I'm, I'm sure they're going to do some sacrifices themselves, these beneficiaries, no? And uh, there will be some temporary inconveniences. And, and, they, and they will appreciate a move like that. And this is the time to have a really concerted effort. The developed economies will be thinking very hard of coming up with uh, antibodies or, or trying to make sure that if this, in whatever way, you know, a pandemic comes in, they'll be able to come up with, uh, with medicines to address it. But as here, our basic problem are homes. And that's why people get infected so easily uh, because we're all so cramped up. That's why Luzon was the first one because it's one whole island and especially they're all, all there and it was so difficult for them to leave their places because uh, things were so, so much uh, uncontrolled. You know? So we were a, a bit lucky here in Bismin, but again, things will be a, a lot better if we are more structured. Things would be a lot better if we would have homes for people, even those that we may not be able to afford. Then let's provide them all the assistance we can give. Give them the socialized housing that we are intended uh, as developers to really deliver, no? uh, addressing really a need and really helping out government to do so. So we have all our part to, to play in doing uh, a recovery, which may be a bit gradual in, in terms of uh, anticipation, but we can hasten that recovery with all of us helping together. Sure, thank you, Joe, um, for, for those comments. Uh, Dave, I'd like to get your thoughts on the matter, um, on the likely recovery path for the Philippines. Do you agree with what Joe says? If not, okay. is it a V, U, or L for you? Okay, I think, uh, just as what Joe said, uh, the. It will really depend on the sector that you're playing in. In the case of Oboitis land, we're playing in three different sectors. Now we're in the industrial, residential, and commercial. So first, let me talk about industrial, right? Uh, we're, 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 we're quite bullish about industrial. Uh, maybe it's not a V, but also a U. And the reason why we're bullish is that um, I think one of the effects, one of the... Uh, uh, one of the one of the fruits of this co uh, the whole COVID crisis is that um, a lot of the global manufacturing firms realized they committed one very basic mistake in their supply chain, and that was it was all in one basket. They were all concentrated in China, and so when this thing hit them, it really hit them hard. And I think the lesson they've learned there is that they need to disperse their manufacturing supply chain. And you're seeing that, right? Uh, the Prime Minister of Japan just announced that, that the Japanese government is, is going to spend 2.2 billion US dollars to bring back all the Japanese manufacturers in China, right? So, um, and it's not just the Japanese companies, you know, German companies, US companies. Um, so we think that, uh, we're not saying that they will all go back, they will come to Manila, no. They'll go to Vietnam, they'll go to Thailand, they'll go to it's a lot of competition. But I think, I am confident that because of the good English-speaking capabilities of the Philippines, our fairly competitive uh, labor wages, 
we've got very well educated. We've got, we've got a lot of schools that produce very qualified uh, workers. I think that uh, we're going to benefit a lot from that trend. So we're quite bullish about our industrial business. You know, we've got our Lima Industrial Park in Calabar Zone, and we've got another two industrial parks in Cebu. One in one in uh, by uh, one by Mactan and the other one in Balamban, um, and we're gearing up to expand capacity in these two industrial zones in anticipation of this new demand that we're going to get uh, from this trend. Uh, in terms of the residential, I think uh, we're also I also believe that the fundamentals of the residential market is still very sound. Um, this. COVID is, I think, a, uh, a, a decline, I mean, a speed bump. But I think in time that it's going to normalize. And uh, we cannot deny the fact that given the housing backlog uh, here in the Philippines, given that we have a fairly young population, the demand for housing, <coughs> the demand for housing will always be there. It's not going to go away. So I'm fairly confident about that in terms of residential. What kind of residential? Well, all sorts. I mean, uh, high-rise residentials will continue. But as I said earlier, I think now, uh, and this is a good opportunity for Boitis land, I think now we're going to see a renewed interest in low-density uh, master plan communities uh, that are not necessarily within the CBDs. Um, so. Um, that, that's that's not that's the opportunity to see. For commercial, um, I think the, the the we have a couple of commercial formats. We've got our outlet malls in uh, Lima, in, in 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 Batangas, and in Cebu. Uh, it's really not a mall because it's 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 an open um, uh, kind of uh, retail setting. It's not multi-level. We don't have cinemas, you know. So it's basically an open air type retail format, uh, which I think given the COVID situation will, will work pretty well. Um, so we're optimistic that this will be the more preferred shopping environment, at least in the, in the, in the short term. Uh, we're, we do have plans uh, to also get into the BPO space. Uh, just like Joe, we, I, we are, uh, we have a strong belief that the outsourcing will remain. Uh, it, it's, you know, the, the competitive uh, argument for outsourcing is so compelling, you know, because all of these companies abroad just cannot, no matter what, they cannot compare, they cannot match the outsourcing cost and capabilities of doing it overseas. So it's going to be there and all the more now because most of these companies are going to be cutting down on their costs. So we're also bullish uh, on that BPO uh, remaining. And of course, even the POGOs, you know, maybe right now, because of all of the political, you know, uh, and all that, there's there's some kind of, uh, you know, there's some kind of probably the POGOs, but I think China is already okay with, uh, with, with the virus. These guys can now travel. I'm confident that we'll see another wave of these uh, Chinese players, I mean, sorry, uh, Chinese companies putting up 
uh, Pogo operations in the Philippines. I'm confident about that. Uh, that's not going to stop. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Dave. Um, Thomas, let's hear your thoughts on the matter on uh, recovery outlook for the Philippines. Um, well, I'm praying for a V, but I am prepared for a W. Explain a little bit more. What do you mean okay, by a W? Okay, because the V, well, of course, we know what the V is. It, it, it bottoms out pretty quickly and goes, zooms up, back up. Um, mainly because we're not sure when the cure is going to come out, when, it, when the things will only normalize once that vaccine is out. Until then, people will, will you know, try to make life as normal as possible. So as soon as, that, as soon as the cure is found, then there'll be a rapid, um, I guess, recovery. And like I said, uh, my, first, my first high-rise project was 23 years ago. I, I was much, much younger then. And we survived the Asian financial crisis. We started the project. We were um, ash halfway through the building right when the Asian financial crisis hit. So that was really, for me, a, a, a lesson that what can go wrong can go wrong. Um, and it also taught me resiliency because that, you know, real estate, when you look at uh, any country, the wealth is really from real estate. And that is... Uh, it's common among among countries. So uh, we went through the financial crisis of 1990, the Asian financial crisis of the late 90s. And then in 2008, 2009, another financial meltdown, um, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, peace and order problems, even and pandemics have, have all happened. So um, all I can say is, is there going to be a recovery? Yes. Um, I just have to be prepared for it. Now, how do you prepare for it? I choose the projects where, you know, um, every usually I don't, I try now to follow the crowd. Meaning, I have no project in, in, in a CBD. I don't, mainly because I think that I can add so much more value to secondary locations or locations outside of, of not just CBDs, but outside of Metro Manila. And because of the growth that I see, um, I, I really look at the market. I talk to the market. I, I sometimes pretend I become a sales agent. I sit and I talk to buyers from all over the world. And I listen to them and I listen to their concerns. I listen to their issues. Um, and I really get a feel of of what people want and what their dreams and aspirations are and that is where i get i guess the um impetus for me to come up with with projects um joe was correct in saying that projects really should be as um complete in terms of amenities from clinic to to um playground to whatever um, amenities people are looking for so I'm I'm I, I do that in fact our projects now are 
really mixed use. So outside of Metro Manila, they're, they're either large townships or mini townships that come complete with hotel, condo, amenities, commercial, because that's what people are going to look for. Also, as long as, you know, with, with COVID, there's going, to, there's going to be a need to really tweak the way things are built. Um, or, or even existing buildings will have to have their sanit sanitized area. Will have to. It will almost be like an agricultural enterprise where there's a foot bath, and you know people will have to be, um, you know, uh, they have to be make sure that they're sanitized, and and people keep their distance. So I'm familiar with that because I also came from the agriculture industry. So it's quite interesting. I see the similarities. It's it's uh you know it can be done and and the recover when the recovery happens it will be very quick so the important thing is to be ready it's like being you know a, a, a racehorse uh at the starting gate and we're just sitting and waiting there making sure that everything is ready because when those gates fling open there's going to be a mad dash for people to take advantage of um, whatever there is in front of them. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Thomas, for those um, for those last thoughts. And then brings us to the end of our panel today. Um, once again, this is Deborah of Lamuri Philippines with three guests on the panel today. Um, we have David Raphael, CEO at Abortisland. We have Thomas Lorenzo, CEO at Torre Lorenzo Development Corporation, as well as Joe Sobrano, CEO at Cebu Landmasters Inc. Now, today's panel was about strategizing real estate marketing and industry response to COVID-19. Thank you, my lovely guests, for your insights. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, for our viewers, please leave us a comment if there's anything you'd like to know from our panelists today, and we'll be doing our rounds later on. Thank you, and have a good afternoon. For more updates on future episodes of the Lamudi webinar series, follow our Facebook page at Lamudi Philippines.